Hi, friends, and welcome back to our podcast, Healing the Broken Marriage. We are your hosts. I'm Alicia. And I'm Brian. And we just want to say welcome to everyone who is joining us for this episode. I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to talk about today. Brian has no idea what it is. (laughs) Actually, I do. Actually, I do. (laughs) But you don't know where I'm going with this. so. So anyways, but before we jump in, I just want to encourage you guys to go check out our website, makingbeautywiththeashes.com. You can find out more information about us there, how you can find my book, Making Beauty with the Ashes, How God Saved My Marriage, uh, past and current podcasts, and also some articles that we have written for Charisma. So hopping into today's episode, we are going to talk about addicted to drama. And so when I say that, I don't know, usually you have somebody that pops in your mind. And what I'm talking about is somebody that they usually have lots of drama in their life. It's like a constant swirl of drama. And, but kind of like what I want to talk about today is like for me, And I'll just kind of take you guys on my journey of what I walk through with drama. And so for me, for you, for you guys that know our story, we went through many, many years of a lot of marriage issues, just a lot of, you know, unfaithfulness and a lot of abandonment. And so in those 12 plus years of this continuation, it was high stress high drama, high emotions, like everything was very heightened during that time. And I lived through that for a lot of years. So when I came out of it, it was weird for me to not have that drama because I had become accustomed to living in that manner. It's, you know, it's like I wanted peace but I was used to drama. (laughs) So it's like when me and Brian, you know, got back together and you went through your transformation, I, you know, I had trouble maintaining peace in my heart. It's like when I would experience peace in order to, um, it's like I would manufacture my own drama internally and then it would come out externally to feel normal because I lived in that for so long. So probably, you know, if you're somebody who's not walked through a lot of issues or a lot of trauma, you probably won't understand that portion of what I'm talking about. So let me just present it another way. So say you're someone who went through a season of poverty. You know, you started out, you had things financially, things were good. And then you went through a really hard patch where you were just barely making ends meet. And maybe, you know, you couldn't buy food or you had, you know, people had to bring you food or you had your electric turned off or something like that. You know, these kind of things where you went through a really hard season. Well, when you come out on the other side of that, 
you're still, it's like all of a sudden you are um, overbuying because you want to make sure you never go without again. So what you do is you stockpile at this point because you're preparing in case you ever in case you ever enter that season again. So it's like your mind in a way is still traumatized from that season of poverty and so you're functioning out of that. Well like for me, so I think more people can probably relate to that because I think a lot of people go through seasons where you know, your finances are flowing good. And then all of a sudden you hit, it may not be like as severe as what I'm saying, where you don't have money to buy groceries, but things are tight. And so I think that for me, the drama that was in our marriage for a long time was gone, but I didn't feel normal in a piece. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So what I would do is I would manufacture this internal drama in myself. It would come out, explode onto Brian. Me and Brian would have this, you know, big (laughs) fight, which would create drama. And it was almost like once that would happen, it was like, (sighs) Mm -hmm. like a high, you know, like an Mm -hmm. addict gets that high. That was literally what it would feel like for me. And I was just like, I would get that out and be like, oh, and then you're over there wounded. Right. (laughs) You know, there's, there's, there's so much with that being said that can affect that too. It's like you said, if, if you've lived in, you know, if you've lived in this state of mind, like you might've went through a lot of drama when you were a kid. Yeah. And then it carries over into your marriage to your adult life and then it can not only become a thing of being stuck in that life of you know it's like drama to to almost feel like you you can't um you can't function without some drama in your life but it's also a lot of times it's your it's that person's perspective of things because we know we know families we know married couples different ones that we've, you know, spoken with and one, they might have a perspective of things in their marriage or their finances or anything. And, you know, it's all drama. It's like, it's real dramatic. Like, Oh, everything's horrible. Everything's this, everything's that. And then you talk to the other spouse and they're like, no, it's really not that bad. You know, it's just, that's kind of their perspective of things. I think, you know, it's not as bad as, as they're letting on, but you know, and that could come, that could be their perspective because they've had drama or dramatic times in their childhood, you know, that's, that's, this rolled over and they're still caught in that and they're not, you know, they're not free of that. So that's, you know, something's you know, they'll say in making a mountain out of a molehill, mm-hmm. you know, they could be like, it could be something so small, but they make, they put so much drama around it to make it big, you know, and for whatever reason, whether it's, I mean, sometimes it's just, that's how they are. And that's how, you know, they've, they've come to deal with things, you know, maybe it's something that releases a chemical, um, you know, in, into them where they, they feel like it almost like an adrenaline rush where they feel like it can deal with that issue, at, you know, at hand. Mm-hmm. 
because they take it to a different level. And then sometimes it's like, they just want attention, you know? So, um, you know, but it can, you know, you know, a lot of times it does. It's like, you just, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to explain, you know, cause there's so many different things that can affect you in that manner and it can affect everybody differently. Yeah. I think that, um, for me, it was just kind of like I had been stuck in a period for so, so long. I didn't even know how to function if things were peaceful because, and I know that sounds crazy, you know, it probably sounds crazy to someone who hasn't been through that. They're like, why would you want drama? Well, the thing was, is I didn't want drama. The last mm-hmm. thing I wanted drama, but I didn't know how to function without some drama. Right. And so when there was no drama, when there, when there was, you know, no trauma going on, the trauma that I had experienced would create drama inside my emotions. Like my emotions would bring out scenarios and situations to create a level of drama so that I could feel normal mm-hmm. because that had felt normal to me. And so it was like once I would hit, once the drama would come out, I would create the drama. You would interact with me in this dramatic situation that Mm -hmm. I created. Then it was like a release for me. And then I felt better. And then you're over there like, what just just happened? Right. But that is what trauma does. And kind of like what you were saying, it can be things even from your childhood that you've lived through. Right. Or that you've experienced. Or like I mentioned, you know, if you've gone through seasons of extreme lack and now now that you're not no longer in that season, you've become a stockpiler where you stockpile all these things away because you're like, I will never be without again. So even though you're no longer living in that season, you still are. In a sense. Yeah. And that can follow you all through life. Yeah. My uncle was a good, you know, he was a good representation of that. He was yeah. like a great, I mean, he was like, he was like a dad to me. I mean, yeah. like my absolute favorite uncle. And, you know, there's a whole story behind that as far as just being able to pray with him for salvation at the end of his life. And, yeah. and knowing that, you know, he's in heaven today, but at a very young age, there's, there's a neighbor that has a farm beside ours right now that was friends with my uncle when they were little boys, like 12, 13 years old, they had mopeds. And he talked about how my uncle, they would all get on their mopeds and ride to the end of the road, which is like literally eyesight from our farm, the stop sign. And my other uncle and this guy, would go on and ride all day long and my uncle would turn around literally probably less than a quarter mile down the road and say he wanted to save his gas because he didn't want to use it up Mm, and he'd come back. And then we watched it all through life. I mean, and sometimes it was funny, you know, and it's okay to be thrifty, but I think he grew up with nothing. Like they had nothing when they were kids, like growed up with nothing. And I wonder if that's the mindset he had because, you know, he would, he would shop at Goodwill, which is fine. You yeah. know, like I said, yeah. it's okay to be thrifty, but he would like wear his clothes out until they had holes in them, even his shirts. And he would huge save huge holes, not huge like holes. And small. He would save he would save 
everything, everything, newspaper, no matter what it was, he would save it and always said he might have to use it for something or he might need it for something. You know, he was, even when he would go in town and eat at this, at his favorite chicken place, he would take his own beans and his own tea and his own tomatoes and he would just order the chicken because he said he didn't want to spend the extra on sides. And, you know, he lived like this all his life and, you know, it's just, yeah. it makes you wonder if it was something that came from his childhood of not having anything and, and a matter of lack, you know, it just right. it following through life is, you know, cause he never, he always, always, he was always saying, I got to save even in when he retired, you know, and he had a stroke, I think at 66, 67, right after he retired, he had a, a major stroke and was paralyzed and put into a hospital or a assisted living cause he couldn't walk anymore and couldn't eat, couldn't talk. And he was paralyzed, but he, up until that day he had a stroke, he was always talking about, I got to save my money. I need to save my money because I, you know, I might not have enough to make it. He, he had no idea that, you know, for years later, whatever he would pass on, but you know, it does it. When you look back at it, it is sad because it could have been something, a, a dramatic situation in his life of feeling lack where yeah. it followed him through his entire life until he passed away. Yeah, and he he saved and saved and saved and just penny pinched. And we're not saying any of this is bad in um, appropriate, you know, if it's appropriately done and it's not like overly it's done. It's not done out of fear and from, you know, something. Yeah, I always think it's smart to have a little bit extra of finances, a little bit extra of food. But like we've seen situations um, where people will literally have a full stocked grocery store. <laughs> you mean like, kind of like you? <laughs> we have probably a couple months supply of food, but like a full. Not like a year supply of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> we might have a little bit of tuna, you know, but we'll have like a full grocery store in their basement. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, what's the motivation behind it? You know, mm -hmm. what's the root behind it? Because the the individual that I'm actually talking about is somebody that we, you know, it's nobody that would be known that's listening. But, um, you know, this person came from a very, very traumatic childhood where she did not have enough food. She starved a lot and now she hoards food. Mm -hmm. So you can see what the root system is. And so yeah. it just... That's that's the whole thing I want to talk about when I say, are you addicted to drama is what is the root system? Are you someone, you know, ask yourself this, say, look at yourself and say, wait, do I have a lot of drama in my life? If you do, then ask yourself, why? Right. Why do I have a lot of drama in my life? Right. Is it because I come alive when I feel drama? Is, is it something that... And it's crazy. It's crazy because I think everybody would immediately want to say no. But I had to face that fact. I had to face that truth that I was actually afraid of peace because I hadn't experienced a peaceful home in so long that experiencing that almost felt unsafe. Like I was letting my guard down. You know, it's like I had to keep the drama going just in case you ever walked out the door again. 
Sometimes it's easier to stay stuck in that place than to think, is this real? Is this what, what is really happening? Is this real? Yeah. Because then that can, you can question yourself and there can be a lot of fear and questions of unknown. It's like, yeah, things have changed, but is this real? Yeah. So times, sometimes it's easier to, for some people, it's easier to stay stuck where they're at because they understand that feeling yeah. and they're familiar with that feeling and they know how to deal with that feeling. And yeah. sometimes they can't deal with the unknown, even though the unknown could be much better and much greater than what they're in. Yeah. Well, honestly, I didn't realize that I was creating the, the cycles of drama until I realized it. <laughs> and the way I realized it is I heard someone else talking about it. And this person was talking about how she had lived in drama all her life. And when she came out of it, she didn't know how to live without it. And when I heard her talking about it, it was like the, the Holy Spirit was like, that's you. This is you. And I was just checking all of those boxes. And I thought, wow, I just need to get real with myself right now and realize I think Alicia has an addiction to drama. And I don't want that anymore. So and you that, were like a drama queen? <laughs> I, was, I was a drama queen because I had lived yeah. in drama world. <laughs> you just didn't have a sticker on your windshield. Yet. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't go that far. <laughs> but I am happy to say that I now value peace over drama. But it was a process, you guys, of letting go. Because this is the thing is you can, you know how you hear these stories of like uh, kids that come from abusive homes, like they've been abused, they've been beat, they, or they, or even they see it all of their childhood. And then they go out and they find someone just like their abuser. You know, this is, this is what it is. It's like you recreate mm -hmm. what you don't want, but mm -hmm. that's what you know. But these things can be changed and they can be reversed with understanding what's going on here. Like, why am I doing these things? Right. And when I realized that this is not okay, I actually do want peace. I don't want to live my life recreating drama just because I lived in it for so long. You know, I may have lived with a drama marriage for 12 years, but we've been married for 26 years mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm coming out on the other side of this. You know, I'm going to be living longer years that are no drama. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I don't want to be stuck in that time frame. That's going to, there's going to be every year that passes gets me further from the, that season, mm -hmm. you know, every year, 26 years, 27 years, 28 years, we're making more distance. And so I don't want to be stuck there when I'm no longer living there. And so I think, you know, understanding because when the Holy spirit revealed this to me, all of a sudden, it's like I could see in the dark what the enemy was trying to do. And I wasn't stuck in that season any longer, but in my mind and in my emotions, mm -hmm. he was trying to keep me stuck there mm -hmm. but through ignorance. 
And when I say that, I mean by not knowing. If you don't know what the culprit is, like Brian, if you're walking around outside and you stepped on a thorn and it went right up your foot, you had no idea you stepped on it and you walk with a limp for like a month. I wouldn't walk that long. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably come right inside and figure out what it was. <laughs> I know you would. But I'm saying not knowing what the culprit is. Right. You know, knowledge actually is power. It is, yes. Wisdom from God is power. And so when he gives you wisdom into a situation, it empowers you to come out. Mm -hmm. You know, you may not have known mm -hmm. that that um, thing was in your foot. If all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and is like, hey, maybe I should check my foot. Right. <laughs> Common sense would tell you this. But sometimes not. And so wisdom from the Holy Spirit will tell you or show you what's behind these behaviors. Like we were saying, if you're someone who constantly is swirled in drama, mm -hmm. every situation, your finances, there's drama, your relationships, there's drama, your kids, there's drama, your health, there's drama. Why? Like, take a step back and ask yourself, why? Why is there drama in every situation around me? What is creating this drama? Am I bringing the drama to the table? And you guys, this is the thing. When I was walking through this season where I was creating my own drama because it was like a high for me, when I saw it, like I said, I heard this person speaking about it. Wisdom from the Holy Spirit hit me like, sis, this is you. That enabled me and empowered me and gave me the desire to come out. But what I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, it mm -hmm. felt uncontrollable to me. Recreating those drama cycles felt uncontrollable to me. Like I had to do it, you know, like a drug addict. Right. They, they're compelled. They have to do the drug. They have to do the, do the drug. Well, that was me. I, I had to hit that drama button. Mm -hmm. I had to create conflict with Brian because it felt in some sick way, it felt safe. And I know like some people are not going to relate to this. But there's other areas. Maybe it's not drama in your life. Maybe it's overspending. Maybe you're somebody, like I said, where you went through poverty and now you're like, I will never do without again. And you just overspend like crazy and stockpile like crazy. I mean, these are all symptoms of a root system, which I, these things can totally be corrected and reversed with the help of the Holy Spirit. Like when his wisdom, it's like his wisdom is like a spotlight on the issue. But the thing is, is he just doesn't show you what it is. Then he tells you what to do right? through communication yeah. with him. You know what I mean? Yep. So I just really want to close this. I really hope that 
I don't want you guys to feel like condemned. I definitely don't want whoever hears this is listening to be like, to feel any sort of condemnation at all. Because when I, like I was saying, when I heard that person describing her journey, a light bulb went off for me and I was like, that's me. And then the Holy Spirit brought wisdom. So that's literally what I want to do for someone else out there that might be suffering through this is to bring wisdom, no condemnation, but just a light bulb moment, Holy Spirit wisdom, because then wisdom can empower you to come out. And that's the whole reason we do this podcast is to give you guys a pathway forward to shine a light in the darkness and just to point you guys in a new way. And so I just hope that you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Please like, share, rate, review. Check out our website, makingbeautywiththeashes.com. Until next time, we bless you. you.